Good morning. Welcome into In Focus on News Radio KMAN. It is a Friday morning, first Friday in June, and that means we're getting a chance to talk with some uh, folks from the Kansas State University Extension, Riley County. And uh, this time around, it's John Job, the uh, 4-H agent here in Riley County. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning. Happy to be here. Well, glad to have you on. I know that uh, the summertime is a, a good time for 4 Hers. They get a lot of opportunities to, to do some stuff, and uh, you've yep. got some things coming up even uh, right around the corner. Yeah, you know, any any normal summer, it would be super busy. Um, we'll talk about fair here in the next couple of minutes, but this summer is uh, especially special because this is the summer that we are traveling to Washington, D.C., with a group of uh, 40 4-Hers from throughout our area. And, you know, for those listeners, I, I think about every other time I'm on here, I'm talking about the Riley County 4-H garage sale. Well, this is where what that money goes to. So all the hard work that those, uh, those local 4-Hers have put in to fundraising efforts have come to fruition and will pay off, and we will be heading across the country um, at the end of June. So... You know, one thing I would say is with it being such a unique trip for those for those 4-Hers and we get to see so many cool things, not only along the way, but in D.C., if you're a listener, um, you can kind of follow along with our journey. Um, we will be doing, hopefully, daily postings on our Riley County Extension Facebook page that just kind of talk about uh, what the 4-Hers experienced through throughout the day. So if you're, you know, if you're interested in following the journey and offering up some comments of support, then I would say just uh, like and join us on that Riley County Extension Facebook page. All right. That's cool. And this is a trip that takes place every three years and it's probably a good thing. Every, every three. Yep. It's probably a good thing that, uh, that it's that way because the last two years probably wouldn't happen, but you know, now that yeah. we're a little bit uh, beyond some of the pandemic issues, it's uh, really good to be able to take a trip like that. It, it is. And, you know, the way that we do it is that we, we take that year and a half before the actual trip itself and really work with the kids, um, not only on civic engagement and leadership, but just getting them uh, kind of acclimated and getting them uh, to where they're, they know each other because they're so spread out across you know, this area that they need that time to really kind of come together as a group in jail. So it's, yeah, it's going to be a phenomenal trip. All right. Well, looking forward to that and we'll uh, encourage people to check out your Facebook page. Of course, yeah. uh, so, go ahead. I'm going to say the, the fair is uh, just around the corner too. Uh, that's going to be next month. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're here in the extension office, that's, that's really what the daily conversations are around. Um, just getting everything in place and, you're making sure that we have vendors and, and, you know, the facility is where it needs to be. But, you know, I would, I'd reach out to our, our listeners and say, if the fair is something you're interested in or come to every year, come out and check us out. Um, we'll be out there. Really things kick off on Thursday, July 21st, and we'll run through uh, Monday, July 25th. But I, I always like to say that there is something out there for everybody. Um, you know, it is, it is the showcase event for our local 4-Hers, not only for uh, static indoor exhibits to show off all their, their crafts and art and 
food, but also for those kids that have worked incredibly hard leading up to the fair for showing the livestock. So, you know, coming out and be able to, to see their livestock, and then, you know, if you're lucky enough to stay around in the evenings for a show, that's really neat to see uh, how those 4-Hers work and engage with those livestock. But if that's not your thing, um, lots of entertainment going on. We have nightly entertainment that takes place in a tent out there. Obviously, the rodeo runs several nights, and then uh, the carnival. So, you know, come out and really just experience it all if you want to. And, you know, food is abound, whether you're eating at one of our 4-H ran food stands or you're uh, you're hitting the vendors out there for um, the, what kind of thing of the funnel cakes. Right? That seems to be one of the biggest things. So, yeah, come out. Come out and check out the Riley County Fair. I see they've, they've got a theme out for the fair. What's this year's theme? Yeah, every year we get to, we get to ask our, our families what, what kind of theme we want to roll with, and that theme guides um, some of the some of the things that we create. So this year um, our theme is, as I'm looking, where where did my theme go? Da, 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 da. I've got it queued up if you're uh, – I, I can take that for you. I'm – I'm drawing a blank right now. <laughs> it's bright lights and summer nights. Okay. We've had so many different iterations <laughs> that are similar. <laughs> but, but that, yeah, so that's our fair theme. Um, what what we do with that theme is uh, you will start to notice here in the next couple weeks that uh, 4-Hers from all over the county will decorate windows um, in all of our Riley County communities. So if you see those popping up in downtown Manhattan or up in Leonardville or Riley or Randolph, that's what you're looking at. Um, in addition, they do banners that are on display throughout the duration of the fair. So, um, you know, I did, Brandon, I, I told you before we went live, there are a couple things that I wanted to throw out there. We encourage the public to come out and, you know, engage those foragers, ask them questions about the projects, enjoy that entertainment. Um, but there are also ways that people can get involved uh, from a community standpoint. And one of the things that we're going to try this year is, we have traditionally done um, open class photography to where community members can bring in uh, photography and, and have it judged. This year we're doing something special, which is going to be a series called Scenes of Riley County, and the first year is, is bridges. So community members can go out. If they know of like a really cool bridge, um, it has to be in Riley County. They can only enter one um, one photo, and it needs to be color. And if they are selected, um, there's a, a pretty sizable uh, price package that they can that they can get their hands on. So, scenes of Riley County bridges. I, I would encourage you if you're a photographer, photographer, or you know know of a cool bridge location, take a picture of it and and uh, display it at the fair. All right, what a nice opportunity that. I'm sure there's uh, quite a few uh, that I'm not even thinking about right now up in the rural part that might uh, yeah, qualify for definitely. that. Definitely. I, you know, I've, since we came up with this, just, just being out and driving around, I've definitely been paying attention. And, yeah, there are some really cool uh, bridges. So, yeah, get out there and get the camera out. All right. Well, that's exciting. Again, the fair uh, July 21st is when it all kicks off. Uh, anything else, John, that you want to highlight here this morning? You know, the only other thing that kind of goes along with fair that I think a lot of our listeners are really into is the annual clover hunt, um, which is a medallion that's hidden in Riley County. Um, and then we come up with clues 
starting in July and uh, Monday through Friday. You could follow those clues until um, the the golden clover, as we call it, is found. And then there is, uh, again, a sizable prize package with that. But if anything I've talked about here, including the golden clover, including the, the scenes of Riley County, just go out on our site, www.rileycountyfair.com, and that's where you can find a lot of this information and find a daily schedule of all the different activities. So I say come give us a, a, a look and uh, come out and enjoy the fair. All right. Well, 4-H is a big part of the fair, and we always appreciate highlighting that and look forward to uh, that and hope you guys have a good trip, too, uh, to Washington. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. And, and, you know, as always, I appreciate your guys' support and especially that covered some fair time. So thank you. All right. Yep. No, not a problem, John. Always appreciate it, and uh, have a good yep. weekend. Yeah, have a great weekend. Thank you. Bye. All right. Stay tuned. We've got Karen Hibbert in studio next here on News Radio KMAN. We're back here on In Focus News Radio KMAN, segment number two of our show starting now with Karen Hibbert, Executive Director of the Manhattan Convention and Visitors Bureau. Good morning. Good morning, Brandon. What a delight it is to be here. And I so enjoyed listening to John uh, Job talking about 4-H. And truly, those uh, students that are involved in 4-H truly do make the best better. So um, what a hats off to them as they travel to uh, Washington to do Citizens Washington Focus. It's a great experience. So, But I'm here to talk about how June is bursting out all over. Yes, indeed. And this is a good time of year. Uh, school's out. Uh, people are traveling and having fun. And uh, I'm sure we're getting visitors here to Manhattan as we well. We are. I don't know if anybody has been out and about this week, but my goodness, what a welcome sight it is. This week we have welcomed back Kansas FFA. That is the opportunity that you see a lot of blue jackets in town. Uh, I was in the Aggieville and Kansas State uh, area last night, and there were blue jackets everywhere. So we were celebrating having those students here, celebrating their successes, as well as it was 4-H uh, Discovery Days, and those students get to stay on the KSU campus for three days and experience a little bit of what uh, life might be if they choose Kansas State as their college of choice, as well as to be able to celebrate those things that they are learning. Uh, we also, this is Wine in the Wild at the zoo. Uh, we are welcoming some students as they're coming in uh, to do new student enrollment. So there's a lot of activity that is taking place in our community that you're just seeing um, people celebrating tourism and celebrating our great community. Do those, uh, those folks that are down there, do they get like a little goodie bag or anything like that? Of it, it depends on the group. We okay. just welcomed a group that uh, they will be meeting here next week uh, with the Department of Ag, and they just came in and picked up name tags and, and welcome packets. So, again, for our listeners, if you host a meeting here in town or have an event that it's important for you to be able to know uh, what one another's names are, uh, our office is more than delighted to uh, provide you with uh, w name tags as well as welcome bags. And certainly when you are uh, utilizing our lodging facilities, that's a real perk that uh, our office can provide. So uh, give us a shout. We're happy to help you out with that. All right. Sounds good. And there's a lot going on here, not just in Manhattan, but around the area. Um, I, I So I was coming home from Kansas City this past weekend, and I uh, missed my turn in Topeka. I was going to go to the south, southern part yes. of Topeka. Do the 470 bypass. And I went down 335 on accident, <laughs> and I got stuck on the turnpike for miles. So yes. What I ended up having to do is I had to come up through Wabunsee County, one of my favorite drives. I just wasn't ready to do it on Monday. 
But uh, the Flint Hills are so beautiful. Oh right my now. goodness, Brandon, they are. This is we've had rain finally, which we're very grateful for. And you did get to experience that diversion. Probably wasn't on purpose. <laughs> that was because you wanted to really be able to enjoy this region that we live in. But with that, this weekend is a, a huge bike race in uh, Emporia, and as a result of that, we are going to be partnering with um, Visit Emporia as Visit Manhattan on Sunday, June the 5th, we're going to be doing a cleanup of the Flint Hills. So that beautiful ride that you were on as you were diverted, as you were able to see the Flint Hills up close and personal, uh, we want to make sure that our Flint Hills area stays clean. So uh, in this partnership, we are going to be uh, handing out uh, trash bags. We encourage people to go in groups of two. You'll have a map in which uh, to avoid duplication for you to go out and to pick up some of the trash on those back roads. And why do we want to do that? Uh, because this is the time of year that uh, gravel bikers are getting out and preparing for races. This is the time of year, like you as a back road explorer, that you might say, I've never been on that road before. I wonder where that will take me. As well as those folks that are agritourism fanatics. Maybe they're looking for some fresh produce. Maybe they're looking for a great experience throughout the Flint Hills. We just want to make sure that our um, region is kept clean. So again, this Sunday, stop by the chamber office at the back of our office at 501 points. We'll be there with trash bags and a map for you to pick up. That begins at 8 o'clock. And then when you come back at your leisure, there'll be a big dumpster there that you can uh, toss your bags of trash in. So uh, again, we want to make sure that our visitors of all kinds and all experiences are able to experience a pristine Flint Hills. So uh, that's the purpose of that. All right. Well, that, that's cool. That's a neat effort. And uh, let's keep those Flint Hills clean because they are gorgeous. Absolutely. Uh, next week you have uh, the all-school reunion coming back. Hold on to your hat because next week the fun begins. So, yes, June 10th and 11th, we welcome back the second annual all-school reunion. Um, beginning on uh, Friday the 10th of June, starting at 6 o'clock, folks can meet up with their classmates down in Aggieville. There will be decades of classes will be uh, located at different locations. You might go to the mhkhighschoolreunion.com website. You can also find that on our website, visitmanhattanks.org, so that you can see. But some of the activities are going to take place on Friday. There'll be a car cruise and a car show. That car cruise begins at 6 p.m. at the, they'll gather at the Manhattan High parking lot, and it'll end up in the parking lot behind kites. So again, so you can think about when you were in high school and maybe did a little bit of cruising around. It's an opportunity for uh, car fanatics together and to uh, drive down memory lane if you wish. Then on Saturday, June the 11th, from 4 to 10, there is going to be music outside of kites. Uh, there'll be a staged area. There'll be a band at 4 o'clock with David Oakleaf. At 6 o'clock, there'll be Dr. G's Rock and Soul Blues Review. And at 8 p.m., the group, the writers, are going to be there. So certainly, you don't have to be a Manhattan High graduate in order to come and enjoy the all-school reunion. We all have gone to school. We've all had classmates that... Um, you know, you love to see. It's always fun to say, see folks, if you didn't go to school here, but maybe you're the same age and you can envision what it would have been like to have been a classmate. Can you have imagined being a classmate of mine? Ah, 
I'm glad I didn't <laughs> grow up here. <laughs> <laughs> I've been what, 19. Oh, stop. Don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly a lot of fun, though. Oh, it was fun. School was always fun. Life's meant to be celebrated. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, and then that, I think, isn't it the same week the United Way is having their restaurant week? Absolutely it is. And so we think that that tags very nicely. So the whole week of June 10th through the 19th, Kanza United Way it will be kicking off their second restaurant week. And certainly we've come along and partnered with them because this is a real reason to celebrate. Why do people come? Why do people travel to uh, destinations? They come to celebrate what food and offerings are unique. So for a $5 donation, you can get a passport, and there are 19 restaurants, local restaurants, that are participating in that. So you can either come down to our office and go ahead and purchase your passport today or next week, or you can even do it the week of the 10th through the 19th. But there, like I said, there are 19 restaurants that are participating, uh, mm-hmm. ranging from Kites to Bourbon and Baker, Tap House, Guilty Biscuit, Varsity Donuts, um, Blue Stem, all those restaurants that you think, oh, I should go in there. wonder what my favorite dish would be if I go. So stop in, go enjoy that. Certainly, again, I encourage our listeners to go to our website. There's a big banner at the, on the front page of our website that explains Restaurant Week. But again, we see that this is a real opportunity for us to support United Way as well as our uh, partners, hospitality partners that still are struggling a bit with uh, as a result of COVID. Not so much with not with people coming in their doors, it's really still, we're still seeing staffing issues in in our uh, hospitality venues. So when you do go out to eat, thank that staff that is waiting on you. Make sure you're patient as you go in and then savor that delicious dish that you have ordered. So um, we encourage folks to get out and about June 10th through the 19th. And when you've completed Again, there are 19 restaurants that are uh, participating. When you've completed that uh, journey, you'll get little stickers on there. Fill this out. Bring it back into our office, and uh, you can be eligible for a grand prize as you've participated in that. So it's a fun fun event to celebrate Manhattan. Not not a bad idea there. And, of course, today's National Donut Day, so I imagine Varsity is probably a popular place. I would imagine. I stopped in there yesterday, and they were anticipating. And if I hadn't have been running late, I heard you guys, poor guys, this morning at 6 o'clock. It was National Donut Day, and no one had brought you a donut. Yeah. So and I failed you too. Sorry. I haven't checked. I haven't checked the breaker. Maybe we maybe we got lucky and someone brought some in. No, no. Okay, no. darn it. <laughs> oh, but they're delicious. Whenever it doesn't have to be National Donut Day for you to enjoy a great donut. Absolutely. What's your favorite? Uh, you know, I'm pretty simple. I like just the plain glazed yeah. or, or maple frosted. Yeah, I like the old fashioned. Mm-hmm. So those are those are great too. So yeah, it's a great day when you can enjoy a donut. You bet. Um, another thing, so I, I have to say, I was uh, in Kansas City again this weekend. I saw the Kansas City Symphony uh, at the Memorial Day ceremony. Uh, Union Station it was fantastic. Beautiful. Now I've never done 
the Symphony in the Flint Hills, but I know that's coming up around the corner. It is. It is June the 11th, Symphony in the Flint Hills. It's their signature event. Uh, and this year it will be down uh, in Chase County at Irma's Pasture, which is near Bazaar. So if you've not had that opportunity to even know where that is, that truly is in the heart of the Flint Hills. Yep. Beautiful hills will surround you. They're, this year their theme is weather in the Flint Hills. Certainly we uh, have experienced just recently extreme winds. Uh, we've had some much needed moisture, but we know how important weather is to our survival. And so uh, if GA tickets are still available, folks want to go and participate, uh, go to symphonyintheflinthills.org. It truly is a beautiful experience to see the symphony and the beauty of nature coming together. And as a music lover, as you have been able to enjoy the, the symphony itself, to see them in that setting, in, in nature itself with the beautiful Flint Hills surrounding it, it truly is a, a great opportunity for you to really understand in a very subtle way the significance of the Flint Hills that's, that's really uh, written with music and art that is uh, being surrounded by you. Even though it's down in Chase County, I imagine places like Manhattan do see a we do tourism see, bump. We do see a, a tourism bump as a result of that. The Flint Hills Discovery Center, often either before or after the event, uh, will see an uptick with people that are wanting to come and to learn a little bit more. Uh, so, yes, it is important for, for our region, our entire region. And I couldn't be more proud of the Flint Hills Discovery Center and the story that, that they share as they talk about the significance of that. Certainly this year, the Flint Hills Discovery Center has really uh, been able to celebrate some monumental things with the uh, 10th year anniversary celebrations, as well as the uh, in the new Prairie Playscape for uh, kids of all ages to go. If you've not had that opportunity to go upstairs to the second floor to see that expanded opportunity, what a great way to have even a better understanding of, of the livestock that are, you see throughout the Flint Hills as well as the tall grass and all of the many, many, many things that the Flint Hills has to offer. Also, if you're a baseball fan, um, their uh, temporary exhibit of Big League Fun is in there. So maybe as I go and participate, maybe that's my opportunity to finally hit a home run and the <laughs> crowd go wild, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh, goodness. Well, and then, of course, one of the big things happening this month in Manhattan is the Juneteenth celebration. Yes, Juneteenth happens the 13th through the 18th. So if you're taking notes and you're noticing that uh, it's just one event evolves into another, and actually Juneteenth starts really today. The kickoff starts with that art walk uh, downtown, and that will be uh, downtown through the 15th. And I know Gina was on yesterday and talked a little bit about that. But just wanted to give you a rundown of all of the activities that are being planned for uh, Juneteenth. And so on Monday, June the 13th, there'll be a free movie night at K-State Student Union at Forum Hall with Black Klansman being the uh, movie that will be shown. Then on Wednesday, June the 15th, the Juneteenth speaker is Kevin Wilmot, and that'll be at 7 p.m. at the Shamrock Zone at the Bill Snyder Family Stadium. So great opportunity to go in here, Kevin, as well as to be a part of the Shamrock Zone there at uh, in our athletic facilities. Then on Thursday, June the 16th, there'll be a meet and greet with the K-State coaches at the Douglas Center at 6 p.m., and that will be followed by an art 
auction. So again, a great opportunity to to see the new rec facility at Douglas. It, you'll be inspired by that facility as well as to um, get to meet some new friends as well as uh, enjoy some great art. And then on Friday, uh, there'll be a grilling contest at 6 p.m. in City Park. You can purchase a taster kit for $5, and uh, certainly your senses can be uh, tantalized by the grilling competition that's going on. And then Arts in the Park will be uh, at 8 o'clock there at, the, at City Park with uh, the private party band. But Saturday, get ready, because if you have participated in that grilling contest, shouldn't we all be fit? And um, so we're going to kick off with a, a run for unity at five o'clock or at seven o'clock in the morning. It's a 5K. So at seven o'clock in the morning, we're going to um, run, off, run off all of that great food that you had the night before, as well as there will be uh, yoga at eight o'clock in the morning, a boot camp at nine. Or if you're into Zumba, that happens at 10 in the morning. And then the Juneteenth celebration really begins in full force at eight o'clock with the proclamation anthems, a unity walk. Um, throughout the afternoon from 2 to 4, there'll be a kid's money drop, there'll be a car wash, a dance contest, and then uh, at 7 o'clock, uh, we'll have more music with Motown Unlimited at City Park, and uh, the Juneteenth Music Festival really uh, will will come to a head then. And the best part, I can take clothes out of my closet because the dress is 1970s dress, hey, so there cool. you go. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, that'll be fun. So June truly is bursting out all over, and and it just it's an exciting time for us to be able to really consider our community as as a, to recognize our history and who we are, as well as uh, celebrate why people come to our community. So I encourage, I always encourage our listeners to to consider yourself. Just take a day to be a visitor in our own hometown, and you'll be amazed at the things that you can enjoy, the things that maybe you haven't thought about, or to be able to look at it a little bit leisurely in in a visitor's eyes. Very cool. Well, Karen, this is going to be a fun month. We appreciate uh, you coming on and highlighting some of the great community events going on. Uh, it's always a delight to visit with you, Brandon, and, and happy June and happy moving month. This is this is not <laughs> movie, but moving. So, <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Our pleasure. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more in focus continuing in a moment here on News Radio KMAN. We're back here on In Focus News Radio KMAN and talking here today with Dr. Timothy Schaefer, who uh, has uh, moved on from his uh, post at the uh, Institute for Civic Discourse and Democracy. This will be, uh, I guess, your final appearance here on on the program. He's uh, joining us from Delaware here. Dr. Schaefer, good morning. Yeah, good morning. It's great to be with you. And technic technically, I'm I'm still at Kansas State, uh, okay. albeit remote. But um, but yeah, there is a, a big transition uh, at the institute, and, and there's some bit other big changes actually that um, I could probably mention here too. That would be probably interesting to some listeners with um, with the the academic home, the departmental home for the Institute for Civic Discourse and Democracy. Um, is is now part of a larger unit uh, connected with uh, the AQ Miller School um, for Journalism and Mass Communication. That's actually all being uh, be renamed and, and just just now being launched. Well, that is interesting. I think I heard rumors of that being a possibility uh, earlier this year. But that's that's kind of an exciting uh, adventure, I think, for the for the whole uh, the whole thing there. It is, yeah. So um, so. 
the Department of Communication Studies, the home of the Institute for Civic Discourse and Democracy, where I have been a faculty member, um, is um, is joining, merging, um, um, whatever the language you want to use. It's it's a positive thing. It's not a you know a detrimental thing because of low enrollment or anything like that. But it was really this sense of seeing the alignment between the Department of Communication Studies and the A.Q. Miller School of Journalism and Mass Communications. Um, in so many respects, we do work that is deeply aligned, all really under this umbrella of communication as a broad field. Um, we have historically been a little bit more connected with uh, kind of messages and human communication. So thinking about it as kind of how groups of people talk, which is why the Institute sits where it does. Um, and the A.Q. Miller School really has focused in many ways on journalism and mass communication um, through things like uh, advertising and PR and some of, the, some of those um, kind of domains. But these two units are um, finalizing the process. It's all literally being rolled out right now. I saw some social media things making some changes. So um, the, here's your, you heard it first, <laughs> so to speak on the on k-man that this is coming down the pike but uh, it's it's exciting you know in a lot of ways we have uh, resources universities are notorious for this we have elements of of people doing work that could be really complementary but because they kind of sit sit sometimes literally and figuratively in different places um they don't interact nearly as much as they could or should so there's a real opportunity here i think for some rethinking and some reimagining, uh, building off, I think, really good work that people have long been doing in these units and, uh, and going forward. So for students who are interested in um, communication kind of broadly, uh, the A.Q. Miller School of Media and Communication is going to be a great spot, I think, for them to land. And then I think for, for the Institute for Civic Discourse and Democracy, it will also just make a lot of sense to be sitting beside um, and working alongside some of the faculty and some of the students, for example, who spend a lot of time looking at local journalism and things of that nature, because as, as you and I have spoken a lot in the past, um, media outlets, radio, print, and, and, uh, and the like play vital roles in our communities and how people talk and think about issues, um, how do they even begin to have those discussions and things like that. So being able to to, to collaborate and work with some of the people who have really spent a lot of time, particularly in Kansas uh, communities, looking at local media, what makes it viable for, for some of these um, uh, uh, newspapers and, and like to continue to exist when they have dwindling numbers of population, those who are uh, subscribing, uh, things of that sort. It's a, it's a real opportunity. So um, I'm excited. I'm tra obviously transitioning uh, out of that space. Uh, but I know uh, the work that we've been doing really kind of quietly for the last year or so um, has really, um, I think, set us up nicely for this work to continue and in many respects flourish uh, even more so than it has, especially on the back end of the last couple of years where we've been really challenged both internally um, in how we teach and what we're researching, but also how we're engaging people. You know, so many conversations, I mean, even the high school, the ninth grade high school reuse discussions in Manhattan. You know, we went uh, part of those online just for convenience and availability, but, you know, in, in a lot of respects also because there were some people, um, myself included, who are still concerned about large gatherings of people and the like. And so it, it'll be really good to see what happens with all of this 
at this moment, and especially as you know, we've got the new president, um, some new visioning of where K State's going. Um, so yeah, so it's exciting. But uh, I'll I'll watch it from a distance. But I have so many connections there that it'll be hard not to be aware of what's going on. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, you know, I've talked to Nick McNamara here, uh, and he obviously has uh, interacted a lot with with uh, your team there and uh, the AQ Miller School of Journalism, being a graduate student himself. But and he's, he has high praise for Dr. Lind, uh, Colleen Lind, who's going to be taking your role there, uh, basically succeeding you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so Dr. Lind is a phenomenal colleague. Um, she has um, she's lived here for a really long time um, in the area. Uh, she has done a lot of work, particularly in western Kansas, around communities, how they were navigating and talking about things like water use. Um, you know, the, the impacts that are affecting um, all sorts of communities, farmers and otherwise, the, the economic kind of viability of, of looking at a natural resource and seeing it being uh, diminished in many respects. Um, and so we're, um, you know, I think ICDD collectively is really excited about um, her leadership. Uh, she's actually been at K-State longer than I have, so she's a well-established person. Um, and, and respected in the field broadly, uh, and so I think I think she'll be uh, I think she'll be a phenomenal asset. She has been I will say has been involved with ICDD in the past, um, much more as part of this kind of network of people. So ICDD has always been since its inception uh, comprised of people at the university across um, different aspects of of campus, uh, professors and staff members, you know, people in the Beach Museum in addition to a bunch of academic units, for example, but other other um, other folks. But a lot of ICDD has really been comprised of people in the community and in Manhattan, but also across the state particularly. Um, and it's always been seen in that way. And I think there's a real excitement, um, I think kind of building off what I was saying a moment ago of kind of this moment of reemergence. I think there's a real excitement around some of the possibilities that can come from some of this. Um, so, um, so yeah, so I think, um, I think her stepping into this role that I've had here for a while and David Proctor, who, uh, if your listeners, um, have lived here long enough, they would know that name probably in some fashion. He was the longtime director of ICDD, helped establish it, um, along with some colleagues. So, um, I think it's, um, it's a wonderful, I'll put it this way. It's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. Uh, to be able to to be stepping out of a role um, and doing the work that you know I really have been passionate about and care a lot about, and knowing that it will not just be kind of well uh, cared for or maintained, but you know, in many respects, I think might flourish and 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 grow in ways that uh, that I'm not even thinking about. So I, I uh, am really supportive of of, of Colleen Lind and 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 what she's uh, going to bring to the table, and I think um, uh, the the different audiences, those that interact and engage with ICDD, whether it's those kind of co- local conversations or, you know, there are people who are thinking about some of their own communities um, wrestling with a problem or a challenge. You know, the Institute can and has and, and presumably will into the future help facilitate those conversations where it makes sense to have this kind of third party um, kind of neutral facilitation step into that um, to provide you know, I think the chance for people to sit down and actually talk to each other and work through some things. You know, Milford Lake, for example, a few years ago, they were dealing with a, a blue-green algae issue, and ICDD helped create some of the resources 
uh, for them to have those discussions, right? We, they needed to act kind of quickly. And so um, we had that orientation. Sometimes these discussions take a, a much longer view and that's okay too. But um, and I would encourage people to take a look at the, the website um, for K-State's uh, Institute for Civic Discourse uh, and Democracy. And you can just get it to kstate.edu backslash ICDD. And you can learn a whole lot more about what's going on and, and that will all get updated here in the very near future. But, uh, but yeah, all that's to say, um, congratulations to Dr. Lind. And I think, uh, I think she'll be a, a tremendous asset, not just to the university, but to everyone who's affected by the work that it's done. All right. Well, can't wait to meet her. It'll be uh, a lot of fun to uh, interact with her going forward. Again, we're speaking with Dr. Timothy Schaefer here on In Focus News Radio KMAN. Uh, wanted to ask you. I've been getting a lot of perspective here at the local level because, uh, in some respects, it it impacts everybody. Really, uh, the 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 shooting that happened in Uvalde, Texas, last week at that uh, Rob Elementary School, uh, nineteen children were gunned down and uh, two. I have faculty members and several more injured. You know, obviously this is an issue that uh, we all, it, it impacts us all because uh, we have kids that go to schools in the public school system. And we've seen a number of shootings over the years, not just in school settings, but everywhere. So it, every time we have one of these, the conversation comes back to, well, we should do this or we should do this. And, and I feel like we just don't seem to make any headway. And so I wanted to kind of get your perspective on that and what's like maybe the right way to, uh, to try to bring about some sort of solution here going forward. Yeah, I'll just, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll say this as, as not just a parent, I, ha- I have four kids, um, but just as a person, it's, it's absolutely heartbreaking and devastating to hear of these incidents, uh, and not exclusively to schools. I think even since that incident, just a couple of days ago, there were three simultaneous mass shootings happening around the country. Um, just, just a day or two ago, it's, it's almost hard to keep track of the, the seeming regularity of, of what's going on. Yep. Um, the, I think that shooting was the, there's a, something called the gun violence archive. And I think that was the 213th, um, mass shooting in 2022. Um, and, and a mass shooting is it's considered that when four or more people um, are, sh- are shot or killed, um, not including the attacker. So the, the number of those incidents that have occurred um, even just this year, and, and you can look at this over time, um, it's it, it's dramatic um, and it's real. And, and I think one of the un- really unfortunate pieces is that in some respects, we kind of slot into the almost these categories of what we expect, right? It's the it's the familiar kind of rhetorical phrases, um, statements from from elected officials, right? Um, kind of lamenting some things, um, uh, others kind of calling for um, you know the eradication of, of guns, for example. Others saying we just you know we need to. I think Senator Ted Cruz you know made a comment about kind of the, the quote the hardening of schools and. and moving down to one entry to a building and trying to, you know, uh, minimize uh, points of access and, and things like that. But I think beyond those, um, uh, I think somewhat unfortunate, just initial kind of knee-jerk reaction is the necessity of having, I think, the, the discussions around these things, uh, these topics. The challenge in, in this moment is really who has the ability to act, Right. Who has that kind of agency 
to affect change. Um, and, and in many respects, this exists at a national level. And, um, you know, the, the system in which we have, um, the, uh, particularly the, you know, the, the two chambers of, of Congress, right, the lower and the upper house, the upper, the Senate has um, really the, the biggest influence in what discussions can move forward. You know, House is representative. It just, you know, larger numbers. It's not locked in in the same ways. And I've just moved to the state of Delaware, which I can literally drive across the state in, um, in about 30 minutes from east to west or vice versa. And so I now exist in a space that uh, benefits from that small state discussion, right, which was the big compromise of the Senate um, you know, between large and small. But the fact that we don't have the ability to have these conversations, they, you know, they, are, not, they are not actually put to the floor for votes and things like that because of, um, of the, the kind of formal process um, that, that inhibits a lot of these um, kind of actionable steps that we would see in other countries, you know, famously in the United Kingdom in 1996, I believe, they had a mass school shooting and very quickly they changed their policies and they've literally never had a school shooting since. Um, so these things are possible. Um, uh, it's, it's the question about, you know, what steps do people want to take? Um, what are the repercussions of that uh, for themselves, but for, you know, for, um, for their supporters and others? Um, and it becomes a question. So it's not a I don't think it's an impossibility of kind of actionable steps, but it, it is that necessity, you know, taking it back to the, I think the ICV kind of work and this kind of civil discourse is how do we, how do we actually substantively discuss and engage around these issues, these matters uh, of, of great concern. Um, and I, cause I think about it, right. We've, we've now entered into the summer. So kids are out of school and, and we're, you know, we're not quite in that phase. Um, but but stepping back into that and particularly being here in a new environment, it's, um, you know, it's concerning in the ways that I, I hate. I hate that that's a thought. Um, and I, I know it's not just for myself, but, you know, the statistics point to it not being a thing that you uh, have a high likelihood of experiencing. But it, it's it's still prominent um, enough in enough ways. And for for those 19 children, for example. Um, and for those two teachers and one of the teacher's spouses, who I believe was, they were married for 24 years. They were kind of high school sweethearts, had a fatal heart attack mm-hmm. upon seeing her body the next day. Right. I mean, so the, the, the residual effects as we think about this is not simply just the shootings, but what about the children? One of, one of those kids in that classroom smeared blood from her friend's body on her, on herself to basically disguise and play dead. Right. It saved her life. But what's the what what's the trauma? What what residual effects will come from from doing that, right? Um, and we, I think we we have to have honest conversations around that. Um, I I know this is a it's a deeply divisive topic in a lot of ways for many people. Um, it 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 kind of um, has a knee jerk reaction in many respects. But I think for the sake of our communities and for our for our future and for our kind of ability to, to hang together, so to speak. Yeah, we need to be able to talk and work through these things at the legislative level and at the local level. But, you know, that this is really a policy decision in many regards that's above, but that doesn't mean or uh, preclude the ability for people to, to engage and, and act um, in the ways that they do through, you know, civil 
um, protest and the like. Uh, these are all essential steps uh, to, to help inform and shape some of these discussions. But it's, um, it's a heartbreaking moment. Um, and I think, unfortunately, and as we know, since that, since that incident, we've had a number more occur. And it may not be a school shooting, but we will continue to see these things. And this is one among many of, of, of the topics that um, clearly have certain divides. But when we look at also lots of polling, it's not as, um, it's not as equally divided. I'll put it that way. Um, it does skew more heavily one direction than another. And so then it becomes the question, why, why does our public policy process, our um, elected officials not reflect that? And I think that is a, you know, a thing for people to consider and think about is what are the implications there when we have that disconnect between the, the, the view of, of, of people, of the public, and those that are representing them? It seems to me for the school specifically, you know, change could probably happen a little quicker at the local level than, you know, waiting on uh, change at the national level. Would you would you say that's um, a possibility here? Because you, you've worked with the schools and in, in uh, re- uh, recently here with the, uh, the discussion around the ninth grade center. Well, yeah, I mean, and even in um, when they when they put forward. Uh, the question about more funding a few years ago, part of the remodeling of the buildings and such was to um, kind of augment structures, uh, create, you know, uh, kind of entryways and things that would be more, frankly, more secure. Um, as someone who used to live literally across the street from one of the elementary schools, we kind of watched it firsthand as it, as, um, as Bergman Elementary was becoming kind of a different structure. And part of that was to respond to these, um, these kinds of incidents um, or to, to, to minimize, uh, reduce the possibility of some of this. And, and I, think that's, I think that's really important and good. I think we need to be able to, to say what, what can, what should we do, what's possible. Um, in, many, in many regards, we can often think about, quote, politics as being someplace else. That's what happens in places like Washington, or in Topeka, but politics is how we live our lives together. How do we have shared life together? And that includes those who are representatives, um, those in very public positions, like you know members of a school board, even say a, a superintendent and the like. But there are there are roles for all of us, and part of this is to have, I think, the the audacity and and the. Um, uh, the commitment to say, we, we, how, how do we talk and think about this, right? And so it's not simply, you know, how do we reduce the ability for people to enter a building, but what are the other kind of surrounding issues that are going on, which I've, I've also, you know, been um, maybe unsurprisingly hearing and seeing some connected to this, uh, to this particular shooting in, in Texas as well is, you know, what, what's the, what's the question about mental health? What are the questions about, the, the the vitality of community uh, of families um how do we how do we think about all these pieces together i think it's more than simply kind of a quick fix if there was a quick fix to anything um it, it would probably be addressed i think we can see the outsized impact obviously of of access to, to firearms and maybe some of these high capacity weapons and things like this and at the same time we can acknowledge and we should that as a kind of a primary dimension here but there are other elements here too that i think for us to think collectively in these ways is is really important um so yeah so there is you know i, I think there is a reason not simply to kind of sit back and be frustrated and just say oh this is awful 
and not feel compelled that there's any kind of thing for them to do or that we just need to we just need to wait for you know fill in the blank for our representatives to make a decision at the state level or at the national level because in many respects and Kansas would be a really good example of this we have some real differences in many respects between what's going on at the state level versus the national level um, in some regards around some of these things too so even if we were to just kind of wait those are not necessarily coherent with one another so um, you know thinking about it at, at all steps I think is a really important piece all right well it's uh certainly something that we're not going to resolve uh, overnight but uh, it's something to keep our eyes on and uh, certainly we need solutions and uh, hopefully we'll get those at some point Dr. Schaefer, it's been a pleasure to get to talk to you here on this program, and uh, we uh, certainly wish you the best of luck going forward in your future endeavor. Yeah, it's it's been a tremendous opportunity, and if I and if I can just take a second just to say mm-hmm. thank you to, to you, particularly uh, as we've had the opportunity to have so many rich conversations. I think um, since you since you've since you've come um, to K Man, uh, you mentioned Nick McNamara. Uh, Dave Lewis, who a few times filled that seat on that other side of the glass before he he left, and Kathy Scroggs um, at the very beginning, who kind of gave me an opportunity, um, who I think a conversation, I think, again, David Proctor, whose name I mentioned earlier, she had reached out, and and, and he thought I might be a good one. Uh, actually, the 2016 election was really the kind of launching uh, point for me to have some of these discussions uh, at Cayman, but I've been really tremendously grateful for the opportunity and I, I've heard um, somewhat unexpectedly at moments, uh, people when I'll talk to them and they'll be like, yeah, I heard you on Cayman. And, and, and I always appreciated that. Um, one neighbor particularly was telling me how her, her father, an older gentleman who is in, I think in her words, he saw the world, he saw the world differently than her. Um, uh, but how much he would listen to the, the, the topics and the discussions we would have on Cayman and, and appreciated, I think, that ability to, to maybe hear perspectives that were not necessarily radical or challenging, but enough to give you some pause and some thoughts. So I, I really want to thank you and the, the whole team there for making it possible for, uh, for me to, uh, to regularly show up. And I know going forward, the, the conversations, ICDD will continue doing this work. And I know that there will be a future uh opportunity for for the k-man listening audience uh, and readers on the website and things to to be aware of some of what's going on through uh, dr lynn's leadership and the work of lots of others so so thank you truly so much for this opportunity and i'll look forward to to seeing what's going on from afar i haven't uh, i don't think i'm going to unlike or 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 stop following k-man for for quite a while because i really do appreciate the work that you you all do in letting the community know what's going on so so truly thank you all right. Appreciate that. And, and uh, yep, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, reciprocated. 